You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are ending the series tonight, uh, All in Nothing. Uh, it's an interesting seven-week series. But uh, today, it, it's like a crossover. You know, we are starting off with a uh, new mini-series uh, on, on missions. And so we are in chapter 4. And uh, just as a review, uh, the reason why we are studying the book of Colossians is so that we may have a greater perspective of the supremacy of Christ and the completeness of the salvation that He provided, uh, resulting to having or living a life that is only centered on Him. In other words, it's all about what Jesus has done already for us, and there is nothing that we can add on to what He has given for us. Colossians is uh, the third letter of Paul that uh, he, he has written from, uh, from prison in Rome. And his friend Epaphras uh, visited Paul, you know, telling him that there were false teachers, you know, teaching the Christians then. They were p- telling the people that the Christian faith was incomplete. You know, and what Paul did was he wrote this, these uh, people to, to oppose them. And to remind the Christians that Jesus is supreme over all. That His death is all that we need to be saved from uh, our sins. And that through Christ, we are free from man-made philosophies. You know, the same instructions, the same thing that the Apostle Paul uh, did you know, at that time is the same instruction and reminder that He has for us, you know, that God has for us. That there are modern-day false teachers distorting our minds and allowing us to believe in some other things, to add on to our faith. But as what Scripture has told us, that there is nothing else that we can do to add on to our salvation. And this is really uh, great news for all of us. And in the past weeks, we have, uh, yes, we have talked about the supremacy of Christ. Uh, second week, we talked about uh, the fullness in Christ. And then we, third week, we talked about our new status in Christ. Fourth week, uh, how do we live in Christ, living in Christ. And then last week, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I had a great time just, uh, uh, preaching the word at Victory Montilupa on the relationships in Christ. You're know, talking about husbands and wives, you know, parents and, and children, uh, employers and employees. You know, I could have, I, I, I could talk, you know, for 24 hours when it comes to relationships. But, you know, just I'm given only 45 minutes uh, to speak. And hopefully I'll be able to keep it to 45 minutes also tonight as we talk about our new mission in Christ. Now, there's a new mission for all of us. The power of the gospel is not just for us personally, but it is also globally. You understand that? In fact, Paul mentions that at the beginning of his letter, Colossians 1, verses 5 uh, to 6, that because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you know, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, that it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also thus among you, now since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. You will uh, 
also see how Paul always starts his letters. You know, he starts up with a prayer. He starts off with, uh, in Colossians, with a prayer of thanks to God, giving thanks to, to, that the grace of the Father, the gospel of the Son, and the love of the Holy Spirit has been made manifest to us so that we can experience and exemplify the faith, hope, and love of a Christ-centered life. Now, in other words, we are all reminded of who we were. It's not that we were reminded of how sinful really we were, but of what was our state before we accepted Jesus Christ. And then after which, that what we have become because of what Christ did for us. You know, this work of grace and truth is directly connected to what Christ has done in delivering all His followers, you know, from the realm of darkness into light, from death into life. The gospel was never intended, as I've mentioned earlier, for an exclusive group of people. It, it was not only for the Israelites, but it is good news for the whole world. Amen. It's a good news for the whole world. Matthew 24, uh, in, in verse 14, it, it tells us here that this gospel, this is Jesus speaking, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And, you want me to read it? And then the end will come. But I'm sure, you know, with, with all the work that is to be done, the end will not yet come. We'll know later. We'll find out later. Mark 16, 15. It also tells us here that Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim to the whole creation. Colossians 1, 25-27, also uh, Paul tells us to make the Word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Just want to read again that part where it says here to make the word of God fully known. This mystery, God's unfolding plan of redemption through Jesus Christ was revealed already to us all. And the content of this message is now accessible to all. And therefore, it must be preached to all. We don't just preach on ethics. We don't just pre preach on doctrines or right behavior, but we are to preach Jesus Christ. The first uh, quarter of this year, uh, my wife and I, we were uh, given the privilege you know, to, to uh, lead a team to a particular nation. Mind you, I will, uh, just for the sake of this preaching, I, I, I would withhold you know, mentioning the names of the nations that I will be giving as an example just to protect also our missionaries there. But anyway, we were sent out to this uh, particular nation, and uh, it's called a creative access nation. Why? Because we have to creatively think of ways, of activities, on how to engage with the locals. This is a Muslim nation, and uh, definitely if we were caught, you know, at the time, you know, preaching the gospel anywhere, 
we would be imprisoned. And I just don't know um, what, what, what uh, they would do to the whole team. Probably the, the best thing that they can do for us is to send us back home. But really, you know, I just don't know if they, they're going to, or whatever. But, you know, by God's grace, we were able to fulfill that, that, that mission. We were able to do what we were called to do there. Now here, going back, Paul knew. The Apostle Paul knew. And we, now we know that all of God's Word centers on Christ. And what He has done to save sinners. You know, it's not really on what sinners must do for God. Again, it's not about what we can do, but it's about what God has already done through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why are we saying all these things? Because what Jesus did for us gives us that motivation. It's a motivation for us to live lives centered on Him alone. There's at times that we would live our lives to please other people. We would live out our lives, you know, to please men, you know, just to make ourselves known. But because of what he he has done, you know, an appreciation of the finished work of Christ is for us to live our lives centered on Him alone. Secondly, it also gives us the motivation to go beyond borders. In other words, to go beyond our comfort zone. Where we are at this time, not only in Alabang, but here in the Philippines, this is our comfort zone. But we are to preach the gospel throughout the four corners of the earth. We are all called to do, you know, in, in several ways. How will we be able to preach the gospel in the Muslim nations, Buddhists, and all these nations who have not yet come to know Jesus Christ? Today, as we conclude the Colossian series, we are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that we are starting off our annual World Mission Series. And we do this every year to remind us of our history and our calling to the nations. Victory or Every Nation Ministries was birthed through missions in 1984. Uh, Three American missionaries came here. And one of them was supposed to be temporarily based in the Philippines for only six months and up until this time, 2016, he's still leading us. That's Pastor Steve. And victory still continues on to grow through missions and we will continue on to make disciples of all nations. The global population is now over 6 billion people. It is more than 20 times larger than in Jesus' day. This means that we live in an era of the greatest harvest field in history. You know, more than half of those people around the globe, they worship uh, some other form of God or gods other than Jesus Christ. There are a lot of movements and changes that are happening in the world. You know, globalization has made it easier, you know, for us to move around. You know, communication... The sharing of ideas, breaking down cultural and language barriers than ever before. Now with all the historic changes that we are witnessing, still the world is finding an answer you know, to a specific need. There is still, despite you know, that we have all the pleasures that we have, there is still, we have yet to find, or other people have yet to find, an answer to a specific need. And the answers to the world's needs, or that need, is only found in the gospel of Christ. Amen. I'd like to read Colossians 4, uh, 
verses 2 to 6. This, are, this will be our main text for this evening. Can I ask everyone to please stand up as we read the word? Colossians 4, 2 to 6. Can you read that with me? Ready? Go. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Father, thank you once again. Lord, thank you indeed. Lord, I declare, we declare, your word is powerful. The love of Christ, Lord, is, it, it is powerful. It has changed so many lives, so many people's lives. And we will continue on to declare your word over the lives of other people who have not yet come to know you. We will continue on to declare the love of Christ, his act of dying on the cross, Lord, for all of us. There's nothing else that we will be able to add on to this gift of salvation. It has already been paid. It is finished. Holy Spirit, we ask that even tonight that you will make clear something. Give us another, um, another revelation, Lord. Thank you indeed that even as we come out of this place tonight, we will come out on fire, excited, preaching your word for your glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is also clear that our mission is to make disciples of all nations. You know, God establishes His kingdom through the church. And wherever a church is found, there you will find a headquarters for God's mission. Now, the whole church must bring the whole gospel to the world. And the harvest has never been the problem. You know, as I've mentioned earlier, there are over, you know, billions of people around the world. And more than half of them have not yet uh, surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Harvest is not a problem. And the issue is that, you know, just hopefully that there will be more available, committed, and willing workers. So that this, this, the message of Christ will be preached. Now, what is our role in getting workers to the harvest field? Now, this is what the Apostle Paul instructs us to do. Number one is to pray. It is to prayer. In verse 2 of Colossians 4, he tells us there, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. Steadfast means being faithful in prayer, being committed, devoted, you know, dedicated, dependable. Being reliable in prayer. It talks about a strong, persistent, alert, and energetic prayer life. It's not only, you know, just saying uh, words, you know, the, just for being religious or obligatory or a mechanical prayer. Just like what we were doing before. You know, personally, I kept on babbling words. Words that I could not even understand myself. Just reciting prayers, but not really coming from my heart. But probably some of the questions, uh, a question from all of us would be, uh, what if I don't know how to pray? What if I don't know how to pray? Why would I pray for others? I don't even pray for myself and my family. So this is why we need to pursue or acquire a life of persistent prayer. 
Now, how do we do this? We go back to Colossians 3 verse 1 where it uh, tells us there to seek the things that are above and to set our minds on the things that are above. In other words, we are to seek who Christ is and we are to set our minds to Him. I know this may be a poor illustration, but it's, it's like a, a, for a single man you know, who will continuously pursue a single woman. All he does was to seek and to set his mind on this particular woman. But of course, that kind of love that we are talking about does not compare to how we should seek and set our minds on him. Colossians 3.5 also uh, mentions and reminds us that we have already put off everything. You know, that is earthly in us. And so we are to put on some of the things. In Colossians 3.12, for example, a compassionate heart. How can we pray if we do not have a compassionate heart? Compassion for the lost. A heart for the lost. Jesus Himself models to us how He prayed. In Mark 1.35, a situation where He woke up. You know, he, he who woke up very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. That was the kind of discipline that Jesus was doing. We ask ourselves, how is our quiet time? What spiritual disciplines are we exercising? Are we doing it at all? Do we read His Word? Do we pray? Now going back to how do we pray? Scripture tells us also that we pray to the Father, declaring His holy name. You know, praying for His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for provision. Asking for forgiveness. Praying that we will not be led into temptation and for us to be delivered from the evil one. At times, you know, among all these things, we would pray for the provision. We would only ask, God, you know, for whatever that we need. But how about the needs of others? We are praying for provision so that we, you know, we will be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. The discipline that Jesus did should be the same discipline that we, will, we should be doing. Going back to Colossians 4, it says there that we pray being watchful and with thanksgiving. Being watchful means that not only staying awake, but we are to stay alert for specific needs about which to pray. You know, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it happens to you that, you know, sometimes in the morning, early in the morning, I, I would suddenly wake up and God would prompt me to pray for specific people. And I, I just don't know, you know, what to really to pray for, but I just... When I open my mouth, I start praying for them. In the morning, I tell them, you know, I just prayed for you specifically for, for these things. And then these people, they would just, you know, wow. They would say, thank you. You know, I, I'm, I'm in that struggle at this time. If we are not also, you know, just connected with the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to be sensitive in praying. So we should have this lifestyle of praying. Matthew twenty six forty one. Uh, Jesus, again, mentions to watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. At the time that he, was, he um, asked his three uh, disciples to be with him, you know, because he will spend um, a, a time of prayer, and then when he told them, they just stay here, 
and keep watch. Just pray. You came back and then they were all sleeping. We are asked to all be alert. You know, everything that is happening in the nations, really, you know, it, it's, it's something that we cannot explain. Things are happening out there while we are in our comfort zone. You know, there is a battle that is happening in the nations. In the 10 days team last February, you know, our, our prayers did not start from the time that we left the airport. You know, we started praying for one another and asked our uh, intercessors to pray for us from the time that we were informed that we are about to go to this nation. And that was September of last year. So it was really a, a good six-month journey of, of, of prayer for the team. You know, it was a journey of prayer also for the existing leadership in that nation. In fact, up until this time, we continued on to pray. You know, we, we kept that Viber group and uh, we, uh, every day, or almost every day, as we ask them, how can we pray for you? Keeping ourselves in prayer, covering uh, one another in prayer. Just please allow me to say this. And I, I'm not really a mystical person. Yung parang when, when, when something happens, it's always connected to being spiritual or whatever. But, you know, for, for the first time that uh, we were about to leave already, at the airport, you know, my, my, my nose was really clogging. You know, I had colds for just the past two days. For the past two years, I've never uh, got sick, no colds, nor cough or whatever, you know, no fever. But on that particular day, it was, it was really, I was having a hard time breathing. And uh, riding that plane, because it's going to a Muslim nation, we rode this airline, Muslims, and then... You know, before the flight, they played a uh, recording of, it's like a prayer. And while that recording was playing, you know, all of a sudden my ears, was, it was really painful. You know, I could not explain that pain. And then I started telling my wife, please pray for me. I can't bear this pain. I told my, my teammates, please pray for me. I, I'm really having a hard time. When they started praying, covering me in prayer, uh, just all of a sudden, just almost immediately, I felt that comfort. You know, uh, no more pain until uh, the plane already uh, took off. Now, how are we? You know, we may not be missionaries, you know, in the nations, but we are also to cover ourselves in prayer. Very important. You know, prayer is not something that you just, you know, please pray for me, you know, because of this and that. But we need to cover each other, protect each other. Paul knew that he needed prayers of the Christians back home to fulfill his mission. He was asking them, please pray for me. You know, I am in prison, but I am just so eager to share the gospel to the people. You know, this is the kind of prayer that understands that lives in those nations are impacted by, by people's intercession. We need to pray for situations, certain situations. In which case, the following, you know, we, we have some actual uh, stories that I would like to read to you of what is happening with our missionaries abroad. January 2016, in a radically Muslim nation, the best friend of one of our church members just put a gun to his head to force him to renounce Jesus. Now, because of his faith, you know, his, our, our member refused to renounce the name of Jesus Christ. In Feb of uh, 2016, the business of one of our members was burned to the ground by Muslim radicals. 
in March 2016, an Easter Sunday bomb, uh, bomb attack in, in, in this nation, you know, uh, targeted uh, Christians, killing almost 70 people. And then this group uh, claimed responsibility and have said that they will continue to target Christians in churches. Now, this is really happening. Persecution happening in these nations. The explosion, you know, it happened 30 minutes away from the location of our missionaries. There were also, uh, at the time, there was also a 10-day steam on that ground when this thing happened. July 2016, one of our members in an Islamic government-ruled nation was arrested after being reported to the, to the police by his own parents. The authorities raided his home and caught him with a Bible and a one-to-one. His whole house was searched while he was blindfolded and taken to the intelligence headquarters and held in solitary confinement. You know, he was interrogated for several days before being released temporarily. Now, after a few days, our church member is a she. She was able to flee the country and is now safely in another country. August 2016, just last year, uh, some gunmen attacked and killed students at the university right beside the office where our missionary works. Only a wall literally separates the university from our missionary's office. You know, students, university and uh, university workers, and policemen were killed at that time. So while we are here, you know, just thinking that uh, you know it's okay, we're safe, we're good, no persecution, no nothing. And we need to pray for our missionaries who are there. The second one is partnership. As Paul has instructed us to pray, we are also to partner. Colossians 4, 3-4 tells us here that at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account on which of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He tells us to pray for them. And so that an open door, uh, a door will be opened for the word. Imagine Paul was bound in chains in prison, but he asks the Colossians, the brothers, to pray that he will still have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He is bound in chains, but it is as if that he is free, just wanting to do something so that he may continue on to proclaim the gospel of Christ. We are here, all freed, but it is as if that we are in chains, holding up ourselves, probably just considering not to do anything, but we are to partner with them. We are to pray for divine appointments for our missionaries. You know, that language is not going to be a, a, a barrier for them. You know, nor any other situation will stop them from meeting up with locals in whatever nation that they are in. In fact, we were told not to have an encounter with any uh, local where, you know, in the nation that we went to. But my wife, you know, she, she, was, she was just so... She didn't want, didn't want to break the rule, but... 
we went on tours. And the, my wife and I, we, uh, we were in a university and we saw this student uh, coming. The student is also a foreigner, uh, but I think she's definitely not a Christian. My wife approached her and, you know, introduced herself, asked the name of this little lady, what is she taking up? So probably what was going in the mind of this student was, who is she? You know, why is she asking too many information about me? But believe me, you know, when we go out to the nations, you know, people are, are, are just so, they're friendly. They will talk to you, whatever they are. Muslims, Buddhists, whatever. They will just, you know, uh, not be rude. They will be, they are, they will entertain you. And at the time, uh, after, you know, uh, just getting to know this uh, little lady, I just allowed my wife to uh, talk to her. Otherwise, it's going to jeopardize that the conversation. You know? But she said, my wife said, can I have a picture with you? So again, another question on the young lady was, you know, <laughs> now you want me to have a picture with you. But she, uh, yeah, she agreed. And uh, my wife did this pose. And then she looked at my wife. Yung parang nagtataka siya. Okay, so this, she did this pose. I wanted to show the picture, but again, uh, just for uh, security purposes, withholding it. Uh, another time also that we were in a restaurant. Uh, uh, of course, there were waitresses, and, and the, suddenly we just felt that uh, this one of the waitresses were, was... was you know, your countenance, yeah, she, she was not good. You know, you know that she was going through something. And then just being sensitive about it, you know, we asked her to sit down. And we were not even sure if she was allowed to sit down with us because she was uh, on duty. But apparently, she sat down with us and then uh, we, we just asked her, you know, can we pray for you? And that was another, you know, <laughs> something that uh, we should not be doing, you know, radically. Because it might again, you know, cause uh, our, you know, our stay there and even to our um, missionaries there in that nation. But we prayed and we asked for permission. You know, can we pray for you in Jesus' name? We have to make sure that they will allow you to pray in Jesus' name. Nurses and teachers that we have there in this particular nation, they are assigned, you know, uh, strategically. You know, in, in, in those uh, government offices, and, and especially those nurses and doctors, you know, they, they, they have that, that opportunity because people are, are sick, you know, and, and they're just worried about their bodies. But our uh, church members there are just so on fire and telling them, you know, I, I may not be able to heal you. The medicines may not be able to heal you, but I know someone who can heal you. And then you ask the question, can I pray for you in Jesus' name? Praying for them, praying for these people. We cover them. While the last team that went out for a mission trip, I was talking to one of the members earlier. You know, we, we, we kept on praying that God will indeed move in that nation. And then well, one situation uh, was when, when they were praying for this particular person who also was, was, was sick in his body. And the whole team was declaring, you know, declaring healing. But of course, for him, you know, uh, what are you doing? You know, what are you saying? But all of a sudden, you know, after uh, a couple of days and the doctor confirmed that, you know, there's, there's something that is happening, improving in that body of that person. You see how miracles are moving, are, are, are happening in people's lives when we pray. 
So we do not stop praying. We partner with these people. We pray for our missionaries that they will be able to pray boldly and declare the gospel of Christ. Second Thessalonians 3, 1 Thessalonians uh, 3.1 also, the same message, t- Paul tells us that uh, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as what has happened among you. Peter in a situation where he was imprisoned. Uh, Just go ahead and read the whole chapter 12. But in verse 5, it says here that Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. They knew that Peter was, was probably going to be beheaded. He was going to die. But people were praying, earnestly praying for him. There was an intense prayer. Prayer meeting was going on in the house of Mary. And, 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 and while they were praying, when, when, when Peter was sleeping, you know, he was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with chains. In other words, he was heavily guarded. But an angel came and woke him up saying, get up quickly. So if you're Peter and you're in between two soldiers and you're, you are in chains, how can you do that? What happened was the chains fell off his hands. And then the angel instructed Peter, just go ahead, dress up. You know, and follow me. Peter wasn't sure if he was just sleeping or seeing a vision. Because it seemed real. The iron gates, it opened up and he was led to safety. Peter said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Heron. He came to the house of Mary where many gathered together and were praying. In fact, when he he was knocking on the door, this young lady who opened the door did not recognize Peter because in fact, she was saying in her, probably in her mind, we were praying for you. You can't be here. But the miracle happened. An angel of the Lord, you know, was sent to him and he was set free from prison. These things can happen even to the missionaries that we have in the nations. There is really something about us praying for our missionaries. Going back to Colossians 4, 3 and 4, Paul tells us, tells us here that, that, that when he you know, declares the mystery of Christ, that he may make it clear. Make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. We are to pray that our missionaries, as messengers of the word, that they can communicate it clearly. But I believe that this is also the same message for all of us. Reading the word of Christ so that when we proclaim it, we may also be able to communicate it clearly. Now, question is, how do we know if we are communicating the word clearly? Colossians 3.16. Again, you know, it says here, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. To dwell in the word of Christ is to soak ourselves into the word of God, to be totally consumed in the world in Tagalog, Lulunuri natin ang sarili natin sa salita ng Panginoon. That is how we ought to do when reading the Word of Christ. Just embracing it. This is how we ought to speak from the richness of God's Word and through you know, the Holy Spirit. We continue to suffer from false religions, you know, false teachings, philosophies, and other worldviews. But the only way to confront these or those is to trust is to trust God's sovereignty and power to move upon those nations by empowering ourselves to intercede and take the gospel to the nations. 
Now, just more stories that I'd like to read to you. There's one missionary also in one of the most dangerous Islamic nations in the world is already witnessing, or he is currently witnessing to six Muslim locals. Any one of them may turn out to be a radical Muslim or an informant. He is simply stepping out in faith and trusting in God for his protection. What is even more incredible is that he shares the gospel with them, not in the safety of an isolated restaurant or an apartment outside the city, but our missionary invites the locals to the mosque where he opens up the Quran and shows them Jesus in the Quran. So we are to, you know, just continue to pray as he follows up on them or on each and every one of them. We just don't know really exactly what kind of risk that he's taking, but he is doing this, you know, for the sake of the gospel, for the lives of these people. These people are also, you know, loved by God and they are to be part of God's kingdom. Now, thirdly, we are to understand that there is a purpose. So, first is prayer and then partnership and then a purpose. Colossians 4. Verses 2 to 6 tells us, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walk in wisdom, and then make the best use of time. Now, we are all encouraged to manifest a powerful and attractive testimony to non-Christians. Question for all of us also at this time is, how are we towards unbelievers? You know, even in, in, in our own mission field, this is also our mission field. Our family is a mission field. Our community, work, you know, the school, the friends whom we are with, those people who have not yet come to know Jesus Christ, that is our mission field. Now, probably at times, we also act and talk like them. We are wanting to become relevant by doing and believing what they do and believe. Walking in wisdom could also mean to be irrelevant so that we can be relevant to them. So it's hard to think, you know, how can we be relevant if we are irrelevant? That's the reason why we need to cover ourselves in prayer. I've asked the permission of Pastor King. Pastor King is uh, currently our missions director. And back in 2003, he was assigned to go on a mission trip in a Buddhist nation. And uh, one day, he, was, uh, uh, he met a student, a local, and he immediately, you know, boldly just did one-to-one with this guy. And the interesting thing about this is that he started at 6 a.m. and he ended at 7 p.m. 2003, our one-to-one was still 12 chapters. Now just imagine how much, you know, prayer (laughs) uh, he, he could have uttered, you know, just saying, Lord, just give me grace to be able to uh, withstand this uh, 13 long hours of doing one-to-one with this local. You know, he did not leave this person 
There was a language barrier. You know, it was really hard to, to explain to the local, you know, what, 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 what salvation is all about. You know, what forgiveness is all about. You know, reading the Bible, etc., etc., all for one day. And imagine some of us, we're having a hard time you know, going through one to one, six chapters, only once a week. But this guy, he finished it in one day. And then he was just believed for God a, a, for a transformation in the life of this student. In 2014, he was again sent to this nation with another team. And the first thing that Pastor King did was to, uh, you know, to, to find where this person is. He found out that the, the student whom he reached out uh, in 2003 is now a surgeon, a doctor at a government hospital. But the best thing of it all is that he is still in church. And when Pastor King asked the question, you know, why are you still here? Yung parang tanong ba yun? Buti nga nandiyan siya But what made you stay? What made you stay? And this doctor said, you know, many friends left when you left in 2013, but I opted to stay. It's not because of the church, but it's because of Jesus Christ. Because of His love for Jesus Christ. Well, for us, how do we make best use of the time in our place of comfort? We engage in a lot of things, hobbies. Yes, we do bike. We do train, we do a lot of things. But can we be more productive in, in doing these things? How do we make best use of time? When we are in our offices, you know, when, when, when we just feel that or discern that someone really needs prayers, do we minister to them? Or if we are afraid to approach them, do we pray for these people? Everyone deserves to be ministered to we were once in that situation where we were you know we were found in darkness we just didn't know what to do but someone went out of his or her way to preach the gospel of christ to us now it's our turn it's our new mission in christ to be able to just go out there proclaiming this great news in Colossians, uh, same chapter, you know, Paul uh, tells us that his speech, uh, always be gracious, uh, seasoned with salt. Being gracious means that we are to speak in what is spiritual, being wholesome, being fitting, you know, being kind, being sensitive, being purposeful, being complementary. Because sometimes, oh, ako na lang, most of the time, I, I have the tendency to be harsh to people. You know, this forcing, you know, just forcing my way into, you know, just, hey, can't you listen to me? Don't you want to believe what I'm believing in? But we are asked to be gracious. Our speech should be seasoned with salt. You know, it's something that it's like a purifying influence, you know, in, with the decaying society that we are living in. Make our speech more attractive to others, non-condemning. When we speak to the outside world, you know, being gracious and encouraging will lead lives to Christ. And then again, we can start by reaching out to our own mission field. Start with our family, start with our friends, office mates, classmates. Last story I'd like to read. In May this year, 
our missionary to a communist nation, started praying regularly for government officials, businessmen, athletes, and entertainers to get saved and added to the church. Soon after that, a businessman got saved, was on fire for God, and brought his whole family as well as other business friends. Last month, a policeman brought some prisoners to a hospital for a checkup. The nurse attending to them happened to be one of our members, and she prayed to God and stepped out in faith and shared the gospel with the policeman and helped him download Bible applications on his phone. The policeman started to read the Bible on his phone for several hours a day. In the meanwhile, our pastor and the whole church started praying for the policeman. Our nurse member introduced the policeman to one of our male members. And at first, our member was afraid of the policeman as he might be simply trying to get evidence to arrest him in our church. And again, he prayed and stepped out in faith and took the policeman through one-to-one. He comes to small groups and church in full uniform, but come worship time, he removes he removes his jacket. Now last week, this guy, he already finished his victory weekend. When we pray, when we pray, we start believing for God to move. It's not because of our own abilities. It's not because of our own strength. It's not because of our own intelligence. But for allowing the Holy Spirit to move. You know, we sow seeds of prayers. And let's not get discouraged or do not get frustrated if something does not happen instantly. Because what we are doing is just planting something in that guy's life or a woman's life. Let let others, let others, you know, also continue on to minister to people. One time, the Apostle Paul also said that he planted the seed. Apollos, Apollos watered it, but ultimately, it is God who will cause the growth. God causes the growth, you know, in the spiritual lives of people. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to make one born again. Our job is to pray. Our job is to open up our mouths. Our job is to read the Word so that we may be able to proclaim the Gospel of Christ. In Colossians 4.17, this is the latter part now uh, where the Apostle Paul was you know, sort of making bilin to, to everyone. And then he, he goes on to say to Archippus, I don't know if I pronounce it well, he says that, See, to, see that you fulfill the, minis- the ministry that you have received in the Lord. It's the same kind of exhortation that Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 5, as for, as for you, always be sober-minded. You know, endure suffering. Endure suffering. In our Christian life, there will be things Talagang we'll have to endure everything. But we are to do the work of an evangelist. We are also commanded to fulfill our ministry. 
And yes, it is the same exhortation at this time that we are all asked or exhorted to fulfill the ministry that we have received from the Lord. Now, whether we are asked to call, uh, we are called to pray, we are called to give, or we are called to go, the important thing is that the message of Christ is preached throughout the four corners of the earth. Will we take part in this mission? Going back to Colossians 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle Paul was praying you know, that he was indeed thankful of, uh, uh, of the Christian's state at the time. And we are to be thankful of our state at this time. We continue on to pray that we may have, you know, the knowledge, the will of God to, to be able to have that spiritual understanding for all of us. We were all uh, instructed and encouraged to put off everything that is earthly among us. We are all then asked to put on our new self in Christ. To dwell in His Word and then let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We are to experience loving relationships with one another. We are to ask for forgiveness. We are to extend forgiveness towards one another. And then now it is our time as we understand all these things. We go out taking on a mission preaching the gospel of Christ. Lord, we thank you that even sometimes we we have that fear in us. We doubt not bold enough to proclaim your word. But your Holy Spirit has always enabled us to speak the truth in love to let others know that there is something that you have offered that no one else can offer it is the death of Jesus Christ that love that you have promised to all and to each and every one of us or once again I just pray that even right now I pray that all of us will start praying. I pray that all of us will start to minister. I pray that all of us will start to allow ourselves to be sensitive. Lord, in prayer, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Hindi na namin pa, i-delay pa kung ano ba yung whatever the Holy Spirit dictates upon us. What we will do immediately, we will obey. We thank you, Lord. We will do this all for your glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.